Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Genesis 34 and it's a pretty impactful message. So before we get started, let's let's reach out to God. Thank you, Father, for this day and for taking care of us. I just am grateful that the creator of all wants to talk to us, wants to teach us, and wants to grow us. So, Father, I lift up this time. I pray, for Holy Spirit, for you to come and to fill our minds and our hearts and our spirits with your words, with your message. I pray that our minds would be cleansed from all the surrounding, all the garbage that we've put into it, and that our hearts and our minds and our spirits would be available and waiting for you, waiting for you to speak to us and teach us. May there be nothing from me, because it's useless, but it be strictly from you, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, chapter 34 does not present, uh, present... Jacob in the best light and uh, I have to admit I'm not you know it's it's just amazing but I look at Jacob and I think he's just like me in so many ways and yet God provides his grace to him despite his shortcomings and that gives me such confidence and fills me with gratitude Because that applies to me too. Because as repugnant as Jacob is going to appear in this, I am too. I'm a sinner. I'm full of sin. And yet God provides grace to me. So before we read chapter 34, I'm going to read some of a commentary from Preaching the Word Commentary. I'm going to read just a couple paragraphs. And it will help set the tone. And it says, the life of Jacob in Genesis 25 through 35 has struck me much in the same way. He'd just been talking about how a writer had prior in prior paragraphs, how this writer had caused, she wrote in a very exaggerated way and very impactful way so that people would be like, oh my, when they're reading about some of her characters. And uh, they were very shocking. And so... He, he was saying how when he's read his this this author's work, at times he would sit there and say, oh my, oh my goodness. And so that's what he's saying is here. The life of Jacob in Genesis 25 through 35 has struck me much in the same way and even more so because it is not fiction. So when you read about Jacob, you kind of do go and say, oh my goodness, or you cringe. Jacob's inverted cussedness basically his cussedness, has continued to astound me, he writes, especially here in the sordid doings of chapter 34, which is full of oh my's. Personally, I have not found Jacob likable, though at times he has been admirable. He soared in his midnight wrestle and his crippling and renaming, and then in his turn toward Canaan and his making peace with Esau, whom from a youth he had so grievously cheated. But Jacob's sore immediately turned into a slide when he deceived Esau as to his intent to return to Canaan, which is what God told him to do, then dallied in Succoth, and finally 
intent to return to Canada. Uh, then finally settled 20 miles short of Bethel in, in Shechem in willful halfway obedience. And I sit here and I think about that statement, willful halfway obedience. And I think about myself and how many times there have been halfway obediences. And I knew it. I knew I was doing this. And yet, there I am doing a partial obedience. The old Jacob was in full force. He was morally weak, unwilling to pay the cost of right actions, untrusting of God, and unmindful of the welfare of his children and the future of his people. So just like me, he slips back into his old nature. The cost of Jacob's turpitude was immense, as chapter 34 records rape, degeneration, treachery, and genocide. Yet in all of this is a fear, fierce grace at work. In Shechem, in the event we are about to consider, God allowed Jacob to experience the appalling weight of his sinfulness. So he would return to his calling. Divine grace will triumph despite human sin-fierce, fiery grace. So divine grace will triumph despite human sin, fierce, fiery grace. That's what I have to count on because I am a sinful person. And I have halfway obediences, partial obediences, which are full-fledged disobedience. And I know I've done it because I've intentionally done it. I think they're even worse than me just being a bad guy or doing something sinful because I'm thinking about it. I'm intentionally disobeying partially. I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this, but I will do that. I'm not, it's partial and it's intentional. And that's what makes it even, in my opinion, for me, even worse. So let's, let's read chapter 34, verse 1. Now Dinah, the daughter Leah had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and raped her. Not very good. But there are commentaries that basically say she shouldn't have gone out there. Now, that doesn't make it right. It's not like, oh, what do you expect when you dress that way? But she, most of the time, young maidens, stayed in their family tent. And she went out and hung out with all these strangers. His heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. This is so confusing. And Shechem said to his father Hamor, Get me this girl as my wife. So he really did fall in love with her eventually. When Jacob heard that his daughter Dinah had been defiled, his sons were in the fields with the, his livestock. So he did nothing about it until they came home. <laughs> yeah, I'll just wait till they come back. Then Shechem's father Hamor went out to talk with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's son, sons had come in from the fields as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious because Shechem had done an outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. <clears throat> but Hamor said to them, My son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take your daughters for yourself. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. Then Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I am to bring 
as great as you like, and I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the young woman as my wife. So he went from a rapist to he's truly in love with her, which might make him a sociopath. But anyway, so verse 13, because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father, Hamor. So what does Jacob's name mean? Deceiver. What does his children do? They deceive. They said to them, we can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That'd be a disgrace to us. We will enter into an agreement with you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you do not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hamor and his son Shechem. The young man, who, had, who was the most honored of all his father's family, lost no time in doing what they said, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So, so Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of their city to speak to the men of their, of their city. These men are friendly towards us, they said. Let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters, and they can marry ours. But the men will agree to live with us as one people only on the condition that our males are, are circumcised, as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all their animals become ours? So let us agree in their terms, to their terms, and they will settle among us. All the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Wow. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. That's a pretty big attack. I mean, for just two guys. They put Hamor and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The, the sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else in theirs, of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their children and women, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me obnoxious to the Canaanites and Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and they, if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they replied, should we, have treat, should we have treated our sister like a prostitute? So Jacob continues to think about the money and his own well-being instead of his daughter's well-being and the fact that she was raped. So Jacob, at this point, has had a pretty, pretty significant low, at least in you know my opinion and others. But God's grace continues to work. And I th always sit here before I judge these, these people. I think about what does God think of my sins that what I do and how much worse or better am I than Jacob? He's just a guy like me who fails, but God keeps picking him up and using him. I can only pray and be thankful I serve the same God who keeps picking me up and providing me with grace. With that, I'm going to close with prayer. 
Lord God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jacob. Thank you that I see you using him despite his shortcomings. So, Father, I just pray that my heart would not be one of superiority, but one of humility, knowing that you see Jacob and you see me in the same way. So, Father, forgive my sins, I pray. Blot them out and use me to bring you honor and glory. Or use me in any way you want. It doesn't have to do anything big, Lord. I just pray that I can serve you. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I just lift up our nation, I lift up our family, and I lift up our friends. That you'd watch over them all, protect them, and keep them safe. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.